Hi, this is Ron Paul. I am a former congressman, physician, and presidential candidate. The world is in turmoil. Things like Ebola, earthquakes, wars, and famines are commonplace. As Americans, we are largely sheltered from these events. However, in parts of the world, just having enough food is a huge problem. For some of us, there is the nagging thought that we may not always have it so good. So we keep some food on hand just in case. My family and I have found a product that helps us do this better. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With it, we eat healthier and store a little more food. We freeze dry everything we love to eat, and it lasts up to 25 years. Who knows what the future will bring? One thing's certain, my family and I will always have food on the table. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-763-5999. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-763-5999. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balance the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. My brothers, my sisters, I bring you a message of solidarity, a call to action, and a demand for adherence to duty of an Aryan resurgence and ultimately total Aryan victory. We have broken the chains of Jewish thought. We know not the meaning of the word mine, it is ours. Our race, the totality of our people. Ten hearts, one beat. One hundred hearts, one beat. Ten thousand hearts, one beat. We are born to fight and to die and to continue the flow, the flow of our people. Onward we will go, onward to the stars high above the mud, the mud of yellow, black and brown. So kinsman duty calls. The future is now. If months from now you have not yet fully committed yourself to the alliance, then you have an effect not only betrayed your race, you have betrayed yourself. So stand up like men and drive the enemy into the sea. Stand up like men and swear a sacred oath upon the green graves of our sires that you will reclaim what our forefathers discovered, explored, conquered, settled, built, and died for. Stand up like men and reclaim our soil. Kinsmen, arise. Look towards the stars and proclaim our destiny. Defeat never, victory forever. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. 
For more information about the project, as well as lyrics to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. Attention Patriots. Tired of the tyranny and crime in the sanctuary cities? Flee the city and seek refuge in the American Redoubt. FleeTheCity.com. Move to the freedom of Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. FleeTheCity.com. FleeTheCity.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Welcome to American Dissident Voices. Today on the American Dissident Voices microphones, we have John Macero. John is a world traveler. He's an author, a writer for both National Vanguard and uh, Wilmot Robertson's justly famous Instauration magazine many years ago. And he is the author of what I consider the most compelling and powerful book on vaccines ever written, Will Vaccines Be the End of Us? John, welcome to ADV. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. What first got you interested in the subject of vaccines? Well, that's a big question, and I will start from the very beginning. I, first of all, I'll, I'll say um, I was born in 1953, I'm about to turn 70, and um, just growing up, I, re I had, uh, you know, I spoke to my mother about this. I had a DPT shot, that's diphtheria, pertussis, and uh, tetanus. Mm -hmm. I had a polio shot, and I had a smallpox shot. I think it's pretty, I just have three years on you, so I'm sure your, uh, your routine was pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. so, um, so I had those shots, and I remember, I remember, remember when I was in the fifth grade, my fifth grade teacher uh, teaching us about, that's the first time I ever heard about the so-called miracle polio vaccine. And what a great man uh, Jonas Salk was. So I put that away. That, and everything, that made sense to me. And, um, I, you know, I should also say when I was in the third grade, um, I had already had my, those five doses that I mentioned. And they snuck in the, um, I guess the older people listening might remember this. I'm sure you remember it. Maybe you even had it, the Sabin Sugar Oh, yes. I remember that very clearly when I was in grade school. Yes. Yeah, I remember. I was in the third grade, and the school nurse lined us up. You know, we didn't know what was going on. And, you know, of course, we all like sweet. Being a little kid, we all like sweets. I don't even think they asked our parents about it. I, I didn't know what was going on. So anyway, we got lined up, and they kind of snuck that in because I don't um, – that was, and that was the end of it. You know, at the time, maybe we can get into this later, at the time – of course, I knew nothing about it. I'm sure my parents knew nothing about it. There was a big controversy. Um, there was a real, there was a, a lot of hostility between Salk and Saban, a lot of finger pointing. Each of them accusing the other one of, 
of having a dangerous vaccine, this and that. But of course, at the time, I knew nothing about that. Uh, turns out they so were both said, right. Oh. They were, <laughs> yes, very well said. They were both right. Uh, so anyway, you know, my fifth grade teacher taught us about um, uh, Jonas Salk, and I, I, you know, it made sense to me. I never gave vaccines any other thought. And I do remember, uh, well, let, let me see, in the fifth grade, it would have been 63 and 64. So 12 years later, in 1976, um, in the summer of 76, and I'm sure you remember this as well, the swine, the swine flu scare. Yes. Um, you know, supposedly it was, was kind of like COVID. Well, it was a little like COVID. It was a lot like COVID, except it was on a much smaller scale. It was a big scare campaign. Um, and everybody was, you know, the word in the media was everybody had to go out and get their, get vaccinated against, uh, against uh, swine flu. And I knew nothing about vaccines at the time, but there was something about, uh, it was just this, this, this scare campaign and this, this, um, you know, everybody just stampeding to the doctor's office. I remember my parents got it, got the vaccine, and they pleaded with me to get it. Mm -hmm. I was in college at the time. And I just said, I knew nothing about it, but I just, there just seemed to be something fishy about it. Just this, this, this mass, uh, this lemming type, <laughs> uh, movement, you know, this, this, uh, this fear that I just, I just said, there's something wrong about this. So I didn't get the shot. And then, um, as you probably know, later that year, then uh, uh, quite a few people came down with Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, people got paralyzed by the shot. There were maybe, I don't know, 30 or 40 people died of it. And um, by the end of the year, and of course, uh, President Ford, I remember, you probably remember this as well, he got his shot on TV with a big smile on his face. You know, that, that kind of convinced a lot of people to get it. When and I, when I see phony, months. fake stuff like that, it makes me not want to get it. <laughs> that makes me doubt it. It seems like uh, an emotional appeal, but go ahead. Well, yeah, that's exactly, yeah, that's, that was the same impression with me. I, I was just this, this, this um, manipulation of, of fear, of, of uh, you know, the emotion of fear. So anyway, but, you know, by the end of the year, uh, people started getting a little disillusioned, and the swine flu, it never broke out. You know, supposedly one soldier died of it in Fort Dix, New Jersey, and uh, it never spread. It never became an issue. And by the end of the year, they, they discontinued it. So it just kind of fizzled out. But at the, at the time, I didn't, I didn't really connect that to, um, you know, what vaccines were all about. I just thought, hey, you know, it's probably a fluke. Um, you know, and I just, I just kind of forgot about it. Mm -hmm. So five years later, I, I began traveling um, to the third world in, in 1981. Um, I went to Af I went to West Africa that year, and uh, for a month, and some of the kind I went to uh, six countries. I actually began in Tunisia, Tunisia, Algeria, uh, Niger, uh, Burkina Faso. So this was uh, just a just a, a trip to satisfy your wanderlust. You weren't going on any kind of professional business trip or anything like that. Oh no no, it was just adventure. I did that trip. I booked with a uh, it was, we had two Land Rovers, uh, it was with a British outfit called Garib. I don't think they're, they're around anymore. And when there was about, with two Land Rovers, there was about, uh, I don't know, 14 or 15 of us, you know, cause you could, if, if you're really intrepid enough, you can cross the Sahara Desert on your own, but that wasn't, a, that wasn't, it wasn't an option for me. So I joined this group. It was very, you know, it was very basic. It was all camping, mm -hmm. you know, buying food at markets, uh, where we could, that, that sort of thing. 
And, um, you know, and it started out in uh, Arabic, North Africa, and it got down into black Africa. Uh, Niger was the first country, uh, uh, you know, the first sub-Saharan country. Then uh, Burkina Faso, as I said, Upper Volta at the time, uh, Togo and Ghana. And the last three countries required, maybe the last four countries, I forget now, they required uh, yellow fever vaccination and cholera vaccination. So before I left home, maybe two months before I left home, uh, I got those vaccinations at Kennedy Airport, the medical building at, at the Kennedy Airport in New York. So I got those, and the next year I, I went to Africa again, this time uh, East Africa. We, I, I, we made a big slash from East Africa, Kenya through Ni- to Nigeria, you know, taking in like eight countries. And um, actually, I wrote a little bit about that trip on my website. <laughs> um, yes, we've republished that on, on nationalvanguard.org, too. So yeah, it's an did. interesting story. Yes. People should check it out. Yeah, it is. It was the greatest adventure of my life. But anyway, um, not to get, you know, I don't want to get sidetracked into that. But I got, I went back and I got a cholera booster, you know, supposedly. And all this was at the time, and I think it's still the situation, uh, it was it was um, recorded in a yellow, little yellow pamphlet, little certificate, you know, it's like a four or five page certificate that was in English and French, since you know much of Africa is French speaking, um, and these, you know, it had to be shown for proof that when you entered each country that you got this uh, got these vaccinations, and as it turned out, they very rarely checked that, but that's another story too. Um, but anyway, I got a cholera booster and. Um, and I, I believe that year also I got typhoid. And the, the following year, 83, I went to uh, Southeast Asia and uh, 84, um, the Middle East, 85, South America. And I went back each year. I would, I would go back to the uh, JFK Medical Building and just get more boost, cholera boosters and typhoid. And uh, the last few years, up to 86, I also got gamma globulin as uh, prevention against hepatitis A, which is pretty common okay. in the third world. And um, and again, I never had an immediate adverse reaction. And um, Did you I believe figured, and you know, do you believe that those uh, vaccinations uh, helped you avoid those diseases? Well, looking back now, no. I think that they're just all nonsense. Okay. Um, but at the time, I, knew not, I had never read or heard a bad word about vaccines. You know, and this this is part of the whole vaccine reality that this people have really been writing. People have been been condemning them actually since 1796 when Edward Jenner came up with his smallpox vaccine. I mean, there have been there was a, there's a tremendous amount of literature, literature going way back when. And yet, I never heard of it. I don't know. Did you ever, when you were growing up, did you ever hear? No, I never ran across it. And, you know, for a young person, I thought I was fairly well-read. But no, I never ran across it. Yeah, same here. You know, I thought I was well-informed. I did a lot of reading. No, I never heard a bad word about them. And the first time uh, my big uh, revelation came in um, January of 87. I I, I left home uh, that year. Um, I took a three-month trip to from uh, December of 86 to March of 87. I went to India, Nepal, Bangladesh, and Burma, uh, which is called Myanmar now. Uh, and in January of 87, about a month into my trip, I ran into two, two Australian women in Nepal. And um, I was inter- interested in doing a little trekking in Nepal, you know, nothing crazy. 
no really high altitude stuff, but we, we, we were, we wanted to, you know, that's what people do when they go into the pool. You, you trek in the mountains for a few days. And, uh, so we, I, I ran into these two women and, uh, we chatted a little bit and we said, you know, let's, we, we just, we were both interested in doing like a short trek of like about four days. So we went to a travel office in Kathmandu, the capital, and, um, we just put together a little customized trip of four days with, uh, Porters, you know, to put up our tents and cook our meals, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we, we off we went, and um, I think it was the second night. We're sitting around the campfire, sipping tea, and um, you know, when you run into other travel travelers in the third world, you know, sooner or later the conversation is going to turn around to health matters. You know, you try to give each other tips. You know, you talk about when you've been sick. You know, we all everybody gets sick when they go to the third world. So we talk. It's kind of a <laughs> It's always a topic of conversation. So I just, I just casually mentioned that I had gotten a gamma globulin shot as, uh, you know, as a preventative against hepatitis A. And one of them said, yeah, we didn't get that shot. So I said, why not? So she said, well, she said, there's a big controversy. She said it's made from other people's blood. And there's a big controversy in Australia uh, about whether you can get AIDS from it. You know, and when I heard those words, other people's blood, I, I just, uh, I almost passed out because I had just gotten my third gamma globulin shot. And of course, this was at a time when, uh, you know, AIDS was, uh, AIDS was a, a big issue. And I had no, I knew that something, I don't know, a few thousand people just in, in the U.S. alone had, uh, had died from contaminated blood transfusions, uh, hemophiliacs and, and surgery patients who had gotten bad blood. So, and then, you know, then I, you know, they told me it was a pooled plasma product made from a lot of other people's blood. So I just, you know, I thought, you know, I said to myself, you know, am I, am I a dead man walking? Am I just AIDS waiting to happen? You know, mm. I just absolutely freaked out. And um, that was my first big revelation. That, that was the last shot I ever got, you know, going, I got that shot in November of 86. And, um, and you had not been shot. alerted to any risk you were just told this is completely safe before it was I, I wasn't to told anything I, I, the only <laughs> thing you know every time no they just you know the the only thing I remember was when I got my yellow fever shot the first time the first year they asked me if I was allergic to eggs and I'm not so I said no and that, that was the end of it and no wow. after that yeah and I figure you know from 81 to 86 I got at least 15 shots as I said, um, I got the two, two yellow, the yellow fever and the yellow fever booster at the beginning. I, got, I went back and got a cholera booster every year uh, before I traveled to the third world. I got a, some typhoids and I believe three gamma globulins, so at least 15 altogether. And nobody ever said a word. You know, every, yeah. um, they never, never mentioned anything. And I, I didn't like it. Just like you, I had never heard a bad word about that. No, my working assumption as a young man was that uh, the medical professionals know what's right, and I'm putting my faith exactly. in them. Absolutely. A few years after that, I got married, um, and I was in my late 30s. My ex-wife was in her mid-30s, and we, we, tried, to start have, we tried to have children right away. And uh, she had heard about a book called um, Vaccines, Are They Really Safe and Effective?, and um, so she ordered it, and she read the book. It was a very short book, about 75 pages. And she said, you ought to read this. So I, I read that book, and when I read that book, I said, my God, this is the other side of the story. I never heard. Very simple, very well-written, easy-to-read book. Um, 
he just brought up all kinds of issues about vaccines. And I said, you know, and then we both said that when we have, if and when we have children, uh, we're never going to get them vaccinated. I said, this is just, this is just mind blowing. It's just one of those books that just hit me like a ton of bricks. So, um, and that's what got me started researching. I started doing more reading. And I, as I'm reading, you know, this is like now uh, early early 1990s, and, and now a few years have passed, and she she didn't get pregnant. And, you know, in my reading, I had read that vaccines can cause all kinds of strange autoimmune reactions. Yes. So finally, to make a long story short, it's a very personal story, which I tell in the beginning of my book. I mean, we went, ended up doing in vitro, and... Um, and the fertility doctors, you know, they do all kinds of examinations. And they, you know, they put my sperm cells on their microscope, and they said, you have antibodies on your sperm cells. So I said, well, you know, what's that all about? I never heard of such a thing. And they had they had no idea. Very strange. Uh, so, very strange. They can just, you know, now I know um, that vaccines can cause all kinds of, cause, make the body do all kinds of weird things. So to make a long story short, we did in vitro. It was a it was a very it was a very rough time, especially for her. Uh, the first two times around, it didn't work. The third time, we we did a different procedure, but we were re- very. Uh, and these fertility doctors were just really they just gave us terrible advice. They they could have handled it better, and we we did something we shouldn't have done the, the procedure. We shouldn't have done it. To make a long story short, she did get pregnant the third time around, uh, but she had a very uh, very rough pregnancy and she gave birth in march of 1994 um she gave birth uh, to to our children a boy and a girl three months premature and um anyway they just they weighed in at just over two pounds wow and um yeah you know and uh you just hope you know you read stories about some children who who have been born very premature, and they just, uh, you know, they miraculously later on they just turn out to be perfectly normal, uh, but that didn't happen to us. Our kids had had serious problems, and um, you know they were in the NICU for three months. And um, before my daughter left the hospital, they did. Uh, she had gone into shock right after she was born. Uh, they, they would, you know, they were delivered. It was, it was a cesarean, mm-hmm. and she had gone into shock. And before they left the hospital, they did a scan on her brain, and there was a lot of brain damage. A lot, a lot of her brain was dead. Was, uh, you know, it was just dead matter. And uh, so sad. Turned John. Out a little so better. sad. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's rough. It's uh, um, we could see that they weren't. They, you know, they they weren't they weren't talking, and. Um, Make a long story short, you know, she, and three years later, I, um, um, my, my son was developing a, a little slow, slower, but not too badly. But she uh, had obvious problems, so she was diagnosed as being autistic. I think uh, when she was three, yeah, three yes. years old. And um, well, you've been this, you've been through this too, Kevin. I yes, I have. I've been down the same yeah. road, not exactly the you've same, but I, I had yeah. an autistic son. Yes, I know. I know. So we all know the pain that that comes comes with that, and uh, you know, and and at this point, I, I became really obsessed with the subject because um, you know, and you read other you read accounts of other parents that who vaccinated vaccinated their children and just put all their trust in the in the uh, in the in the in the hands of the so-called medical experts, and um, so I felt the same way. I you know, and, and, and you know, they had their kids vaccinated and. They, 
either they became autistic or, or they had other really, really serious problems. So I felt the same way. I felt, you know, I'm on a mission now. I mean, I, I, I just want to alert other people to, um, you know, what these vaccines are all about. You know, so knowing, well, knowing what you know now, John, what do you think happened? You mean with my with me or in with your my... case? Yes. Do do you do you think you know how it happened? Well, I I went back and I looked. Yeah, you look at some of these. You know, I read all the fine print. Of course, they don't give you the product inserts when you get these shots. And some of them, especially, I do remember cholera specifically. They talk about they do mention fertility impairment, but they don't get go into detail. Hmm. Um. They do mention that they say something like it's there is a possibility of fertility impairment, but the the risks are unknown. You know, it's always kind of vague language. I remember that specifically with cholera. They do mention that with some of the other ones, too. If you go, you know, if you're again, if you read the fine print, now you can go online. I I looked up, you know, quite a few of the vaccines and, and not only cholera, but the other ones they mentioned, they discuss, you know, just like a few few sentences about possible possible fertility impairment. So that's what I believe now that happened to me. After researching it for about more, more than 10 years, uh, I, I think 2008 was the year I decided to write a book about it. And, you know, I wanted to write, again, I just, uh, you know, I just felt it was my mission. As with other parents whose children have been severely disabled by vaccines, they just want to tell the world, uh, you know, about what these vaccines are all about. So, so in order to, so it, that it doesn't happen to other ch- children. And of course, as you know, everything, you know, they put the label, the media puts the label uh, uh, anti-vaxxer on all of us, like we're weirdos and... Uh, and uh, That's almost as bad people. as being anti-Semitic. Yeah, I think there's something about the, the prefix anti. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's, it has some kind of, it has some kind of clout. Yeah. Um, you know, so... That's how I got that's how I got really obsessed with this subject. You can get your own copy of Will Vaccines Be the End of Us by visiting natall.com slash vbook. That's N-A-T-A-L-L dot com slash vbook. All one word. Natall.com slash vbook for your copy of the big blockbuster no holds barred vaccine book will vaccines be the end of us by john macero i'm kevin alfred strom and please be sure to be with me next week when i'll continue this important conversation with author john macero right here on American Dissident Voices.
You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, theamericanfreedomparty.us. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. The team at Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco, Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness, despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. He stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon de Grel in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. Yeah. 